What's going on? Back here on the Sports Cube. Been away for a little bit, had a lot going on, but it's CG with Texas Mike. Texas Mike, what's going on, brother? Man, I'm just glad to be back in the saddle. It's been uh, it's been a tumultuous time. It's, it's been a lot of highs and lows, but happy to be back and doing the show again and just surviving this scorching heat down here in Houston, Texas. Yeah, a little warm down there in Houston, a little warm out here in Philly as well as we start getting some of the humid summer weather, but that leads us into some of the topics that we're going to talk about and talk about some of the summer sports as well. And uh, MLB, we're going to start there. And the thing that I want to pose to you is how good is Shohei Otani and how much should he be asking for at this point from a contract standpoint? The guy, the guy is, uh, if you would focus on just... I, I mean, this guy, <laughs> if he does this, what, five more years? Is he the greatest player that we have ever seen? Definitely in our lifetime. But is this is this Babe Ruth-type stuff? If he can continue beyond Babe Ruth, I should say? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with the analysis 100% that Shohei Itani is the modern-day Babe Ruth. I mean, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, his his slugging has dialed back a little bit this year. He's so good on the mound. His WAR is still excellent. I mean, the guy the guy's phenomenal. I mean, nobody has done this since Babe Ruth, the young Babe Ruth. And it's so, wild to think about that he was touted as this, and it doesn't always pan out that it's going to end up that way. Sure enough, touted this way, and and he's he's fulfilling that role. Yeah, he. I mean. Look, I mean, he was supposed to be like the LeBron James of Japanese baseball when he came over, and he's lived up to the hype. I mean, the guy, the guy's been phenomenal. It normally doesn't happen that seamlessly out of a player out of Japan. Now, historically, the only player that I can really think of that really completely lived up to expectations was Ishiro. He was supposed to be one of the best Japanese players of all time became that and also one of the best MLB players of all time at his position. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think it's a fair, fair comparison. How much should he be asking for? Do you think he's just going to really break the angels over? Is he going to end up an angel for his entire career? Because they've got Mike Trout, they've got Shohei Otani, and still cannot make up any ground on the team that we're going to talk about after this. Uh, the, your Houston Astros, but the angels, what do they do with Otani? What do they do with Trout? You have two of arguably the best players in Major League Baseball on your team, and you're not winning. And I think unless you just totally want to have interest be lost in your product, then their attendance has been good. I mean, since the early 2000s, you know, about a 20-year run, Artie Moreno has invested heavily in the team and has not been afraid to spend money. So, though it is disappointing that Mike Trout is the type of player that seems to be oft injured now, he, he seems to have issues with that. When they are both healthy – they are game changers. They do eat up a ton of your salary, but they're such generational talents. I, I don't know if your fan base would forgive you. You're, I mean, you're the Los Angeles Angels at the end of the day. You're not the legacy team that the Dodgers are across town. So I, I think you definitely got to you gotta pony up and pay anything over $300 million to keep them. $300 million over what term are you looking at? How many years are you talking about? Shoot, eight years. Eight years, $300 million? Close to forty million a year for Shohei Otani. Is that enough? 
I, I think he could command more than that. Do I think if that was something that was offered and he was comfortable with the situation, I think that's a, that's a good wage. Is it a fair comparison? It probably isn't, but in the NBA, Dame Lillard just got two years, $122 million. So he's getting upwards of $60 million a year for Damian Lillard, who is a top player in the NBA. But we're talking about Shohei Otani. Uh, if you do a comparison, is he worth $60 million a year? Well, we, we all know that the revenues in the NBA has caused that salary cap situation to get a little out of flux. The players can command a better share there. So you're not going to quite see the correlation of the baseball to that level. But, I mean, is Shohei Otani is a way more established talent than Damian Lillard is. I, I think he impacts your winning on the baseball field way more uh, completely different than – I mean, Lillard, he's a good player. He can score, but is he a generational talent? No. Should he be the highest paid player in Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani? I mean, based on performance and based on what he can do, that's a really tough call. Um, He doesn't have the pedigree in the playoffs yet, but regular season production, yes. All right, and then we're going to shift over and shift gears here because the Angels are chasing a team that you've talked about, and this rolls right into what we're going to talk about second in here is the Houston Astros, and on the, they're on an absolute tear now, three, 13 games up on uh, their closest rival. They're going into the all-star break, just continuing to do the things that the Astros do. Uh, Yankees and Astros seem to be on a collision course possibly for an ALCS, something like that, as we take a look at some of the playoffs and whatnot. But uh, the guy that you keep touting, the guy that you keep saying is uh, – is is a sneaky pick for an MVP. What's he been up to? Jordan Alvarez has been this absolute monster long before we even started touting that on this show. But, however, I have to give myself some credit. Ever since I said, hey, could be a dark horse for the MVP, watch out. I mean, the guy, the, the guy's OPS is like well over 1,000. He, he's been hitting about 320. He looks like he did when he first came up. He's just really locked in. It seems like every time the pitcher makes a mistake, he's absolutely crushing it. He's hitting balls opposite field, which means he's just letting them get in and he's getting good contact. It's been amazing to watch. Like that looks like a Ruthian swing right now. If we if we want to use that comparison uh, with Otani, uh, Jordan is up to plus eight hundred in the MVP. If you would have jumped on mine on the first one, you were probably looking at plus 20,000. So he's a, he's a high riser right now. Who was the most uh, hurt when Jordan Alvarez basically showed that he was a guy, you know, like who on the Astros organization suffered a little bit from basically the emergence of a player like this? I don't know if anybody's been suffering, but I'd say the biggest disappointment right now in the Astros has been Alex Bregman. Uh, All the advanced analytics, Everything was saying, look, the guy's healthy. He's in good shape. He's in a good place in his personal life. He's going to start ripping the ball. He's ready to go. And he came out pretty fast right out the gate the first few weeks of the season. He's just been kind of in a funk. I mean, he hit hit a nice bomb tonight to left. But, you know, otherwise he hasn't been hitting with much power. I mean, he still gets on base. He has a good eye. But he's not the 2019 Alex Bregman yet. And, And it's 2022. I guess what I'm getting at is, did, did it make Carlos Correa, did it make it a bit more expendable, not as big, as, as big of a hit losing Carlos Correa uh, in a deal because you knew that you had a guy that was going to be able to fulfill uh, a role and fulfill those numbers, Played a, plays a different position, obviously, but a bat that was going to basically supplant whatever you might lose in Correa. 
Yeah, I, I think they counted on getting increased production from Jordan. They knew that his ceiling, as far as a bat from the left-hand side, is top of the league. I mean, he's, he's outstanding. He has all the tools. I think the biggest decision to not offer Carlos Correa a contract after the initial, I think he was offered $125 million, $150 million, was the emergence of Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena, when healthy, has looked really good. His defense has been outstanding. He's amongst the rookie of the year candidates right now. He's on a short list in the top three. So it's it's looking up. I mean, the Astros are clicking right now. I I really look at it as this. I don't want to sound like a just completely out of touch fan from the past, but to me, it's going to boil down to if if the pitching's healthy when we hit the playoffs because – at the end of the day, that they've proven they can roll up ridiculous win totals in regular season, but can they close out a team like the Dodgers? Team like, you know, they, they've lost in the past to the Braves and Nationals. So that, that's what I'm looking to see. That, Who scares you? In the AL? Yeah. I don't know if anybody scares me in the AL. I think they're coming back to the World Series. Obviously, I, I respect the Yankees, but you know what, this recent run has shown that the Astros can dominate them. I mean, they they, they embarrassed the Yankees in that series. I, I don't even know how to put it. I, I mean, they were just outstanding. They played really good ball. They stepped up. So that's, you know, I, I could see that being ALCS, but the Dodgers are to fear in, in any, I mean, you hope that they don't make it to the World Series, but if they do, and you got a 2017 rematch going on, that's going to be rough. Yankees with plus 183 run differential. Pretty crazy to, to see a number that high. Yeah, like that's all-time elite offense high. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's like stupid good. I mean, in the Astros at plus 93, like in normal times, like that's still pretty impressive. But, I mean, you get almost a times two multiplier for the Yankees. But – it's uh Yankees at home. Their home record's thirty four and nine. That's that's pretty studly. And can they do it in October? That's that's going to be what it comes down to. Is is are the bats going to be there in, in October? That's what remains to be seen. Let's take our first break. We'll come right back. We'll talk about our second topic here on the Sports Cube. Rudy's Metals in Sacramento, California, is your one stop for all your metal needs. It's your metal recycling center. Copper, brass, aluminum, steel, tin, and much, much more. You can call them today at 916-912-0487. They're located at 750 Richards Boulevard in Sacramento, California. If you are on the West Coast, Rudy's Metals is your spot. You can get cash for your metals today. Check out rudysmetals.com. And we're back here with segment number two. Let's talk about some of the pigskin. Let's talk about some college football. We're getting close already. I mean, it's it's getting time to like uh, scramble on the pads. You start feeling this warmer weather we're talking about. It's it's miserable. You got two-a-days happening. Uh, not only in the local scenes, the high schools start getting back at it after summertime starts winding down, but college football. And we're going to see a real big change in the landscape. And uh, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, do you think Lincoln Riley had any semblance that this was going to take place, uh, that they were going to be leaving the Pac-12 when he jumped on the uh, USC bandwagon? 
no, I no, I, I don't think he was that in the know. I, I didn't see this one coming. I don't know about you. The, the, this one got to rattle my cage. This is this is big time. And and you don't you don't know how these conversations take place, but this seemed like yes, I, there was not I, unless you're really in depth reading some of the coverage and whatnot. Who saw this coming? There wasn't really any kind of warning sign or anything like that. It was just like oh yeah, they voted on it. Oh yeah, and they're going to be be there in 2024. See you next you know see you next season. Uh, what is this going to do now? The Big Ten, the SEC, this seems to be shaping up because what is the Pac-12 going to do at this point? I mean, you're you're in some real trouble now because you lose your L.A. market um, from a TV standpoint. You're going to have to rely on uh, some of these Pacific Northwest teams to really carry the conference. I don't think that that's going to be able to sustain uh, over a long period of time. This is going to be a disaster for the other teams, for the other sports. I I don't think that this is going to work out uh, for the other squads because you're going to have some real travel logistic issues. You're going to have to figure out some things. But um, for USC and UCLA, from a football standpoint, it does put them in a better spot to be able to compete on the national level. Oh, well, absolutely. UCLA football got a big boost. I mean, with that kind of exposure and riding along with USC and they, they've recently upgraded their facilities. They got some of the sweetest uniforms in the history of college football and they play in the Rose Bowl. So there's a lot of upside there. There is upside, but you know, now you also talk about these Midwest teams that are going to end up having to fly out to California to play these road games as well. These are teams that normally get amped and fired up to play in the Rose Bowl once, you know, and, and shoot for that that game. Now that's not going to happen. This is going to happen on a more normal basis. SC and UCLA, they're going to have to take those trips. They're going to be losing sleep, losing hours on some of these cross-country trips as well. Um, what is this shaping up to be, though, long-term? I mean, does this – to me, I think this is two mega conferences, and this is what college football is going to become in the long term. Yeah, I mean, you're almost looking at – you're almost looking at a situation where you have a greatly inflated SEC, Big Ten. You see the ACC adding Notre Dame, getting that going, adding West Virginia, and then you could merge the pack in the big and still kind of keep the power four-ish model, right? But I think it's shaping down to like a Super 64, Super 68, depending on how they do it, and then probably two conferences like a you know AFC, NFC model. I mean, it's tough, Chris. I've looked at a lot of these different ones you know, these different pontifications of, of what, how this could play out. And I don't know if I really like any of them. It is kind of sad that it's coming to that, but is it better for the game? I don't know. I mean, the game has changed. Like NAIL has completely turned everything upside its head. So the economics of, of, of how to compete for the top athletes have changed. So, I mean, this is maybe what the younger generation wants. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, Chris. Yeah, the younger generation seems to want the TV time. They want the airtime. They want the exposure. They want to be able to have their friends and family and everybody see them on, on, on TV. The NIL deals, I've continued to talk to this about many people and friends. How many of these athletes, I, we talk about the local markets, and yeah, they might be on the, the billboard for the local car car dealership or something like that. You're not seeing these guys. I'm not recognizing any faces. Do you recognize a face outside of LSU that if or a Bryce Young? Do I tell you, okay, here's going to be the top athlete in college football that you know exactly who that is when you take a look at him I don't think you do no I mean yeah I mean CJ Stroud is kind of a recognizable guy he's probably gonna go real high 
I would say Paige Beckers is the most recognizable college athlete right now. <laughs> Isn't she? Probably. I mean, if, if you take a look at college athletes, who, who's, who's the most recognizable that you can think of in any college sport right now? It's her. Gymnastics, people love it, man. I mean, no, she's not gymnastics. She's basketball. What are you talking about? UConn <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I'm messing with you, man. The gymnastics, don't sleep on them. The gymnastics girls that are on the social media and stuff like that, they, they're hitting all of their KPIs. They're, they are dialed in as far as that social media and the TikTok game and the whole deal. But, you know, if, 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 you, if you talk about five quarterbacks in college football right now, who, 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 are, who are you naming five? And can you tell me exactly what they look like if they walk down the street? You couldn't do it. No, no. I mean, I, I, yeah, I could, I could name five quarterbacks pretty rapidly, but, but you're right. Like as far as like recognizing them, no, I mean, shoot. And that's I, I, what NIL literally is. That's what I don't understand is name image and likeness. It's literally being able to have the college athlete Tua. Tua was probably the most recognizable in the past, what, three or four years, five years that we've seen. Everybody knew who Tua Tungavailoa was. So you knew what he looked like. You knew his – I think his deals would have worked. Oh, yeah, no. I, yeah, he would have got paid big time. I mean, it's – at Bama, at, especially that offense was so explosive in the beginning. But, yeah, he's one of those guys, man, where I think you kind of saw that that Bama program was just so dominant and so tough and so many playmakers that he didn't really have to, you know, he didn't have to put the ball in money, so to speak, right? And that's what's kind of played out in the NFL. Like, he hasn't just – he's going to be the guy to make the plays. I thought the same thing about Joe Burrow, and I think I was pretty wrong there. But you were correct. You knew exactly what you were looking oh, at. I was like, no, Joe Burrow has proven <laughs> to live up to the hype. I mean, I told you 2019 LSU is the best team of all time. Yeah, That did. has been stated time and time again and has been proven. <laughs> Give me a quick prediction. USC, where do they end up next year in the standings when you take a look at the Big Ten? Uh, do they contend right away? No, they're going to finish behind – Ohio State. Ohio State. They're Michigan be State. Michigan. Okay. Um, Michigan State. Michigan State. Fourth or worse. Northwestern. Northwestern. You know they're getting better, but I think USC. I mean, come on, Lincoln Riley. Like he can't. He can't ramp them up where they take down Northwestern. I mean, I don't know. it's it's kind of sad that we're having this conversation. And UCLA. Where do they end up? I don't know, the chipper, chipper's all over the place, man. I mean, ooh. I, I think they're going to finish, like, dead in the middle because that's something the chipper, the modern chipper would do. He doesn't have DTR, you know, running anymore. He's Ray a Thompson Robinson. A walking six and six, is that what you're saying? A walking six and six <laughs> with, with one major upset where they score, like, 50-something points on somebody. With some crazy comeback that nobody was watching on the West Coast. You only see the highlights. Yep. <laughs> Chipper gets dialed in and he just he keeps hitting this massive tight end over the middle and then some little slot receiver on the outside and this guy just keeps breaking it from his little pop gun style running it out there on the edge 
So amazing. We'll see how both of those teams do end up once they end up over on the uh, the Big Ten side of things. And it's really going to change the whole landscape of college football, I do think, and college sports in general. I think it's going to be rough for all of the other sports. I really do. I think for the female sports, for some of the uh, the other types of games. Uh, basketball, we'll see how that impacts it a little bit because SC and UCLA have quietly gotten really, really good in the past few years. Uh, I think that's going to help them to be able to play some of the better competition in the Big Ten and see some of those squads. Um, but we'll see how, how it all plays out. I, I think that you're going to see a, a mass exodus from the Pac-12, and that's going to create some real uh, wonky situations, though. Yeah, I mean, I agree from a hoops perspective. It's really good for both of them, especially UCLA, because they already have the blue blood tradition. Big Ten basketball, just about. I mean, they're always one of the top two conferences of late. They don't really slip past that third slot. So the Pac, it's been a long, long time since anybody said that. So... I think that it's, it's definitely going to be an improvement and a step up in competition. But, yeah, I think the only way the pack survives in any sort of form is to, to merge with what's left of the Big 12. Last question, SC, LSU, who wins a national championship first? LSU, baby. Oh, man, what a homer. All right, let's get out of here for a second segment. We'll come right back here with our third and final segment on the Sports Cube. Rudy's Metals in Sacramento, California is your one stop for all your metal needs. It's your metal recycling center. Copper, brass, aluminum, steel, tin, and much, much more. You can call them today at 916-912-0487. They're located at 750 Richards Boulevard in Sacramento, California. If you are on the West Coast, Rudy's Metals is your spot. You can get cash for your metals today. Check out rudysmetals.com. All right, back with our third and final segment here on the Sports Cube. Texas Mike, CG, both of us kind of sweating through the humidity a little bit. If people could see us on the, the camera, do you, do you, are you a crank the air conditioning kind of guy? Are you like fire it up at, at like as cool as you can make it? Hey, you do that down here, you'll go broke. I mean, it's <laughs> when you're hitting 100 degree plus every day. I mean, if you're keeping it below like 74, you get out that checkbook, man, because that power bill's coming. Dude, the wall fan, the, the wall fan is a very underrated uh, part of technology. The wall fan is, is clutch, and your power bill is way lower. I got, I got a, a plug-in wall fan, and I got a ceiling fan in my office. That's the only way I survive this much time in here. You know, I, I started using those little, like, uh, once in a while, those, those little uh, consoles where you put the water in it, and you fill it up, and then it's supposed to cool it for a while. But if you try and do it overnight, it, it kind of loses its steam. And then I feel like you're just getting, like, hot, dry air by that point once all the water is gone. Because it can't last for eight hours. Yeah, once everything's evaporated, it's kind of worthless, right? <laughs> I mean, you're just kind of heating something up. Like you, you, need a, you need an auto off. Like just dry air hitting me is, is no bueno. Although I guess a wall fan is kind of doing the same thing. Anyway, I digress. Now we go into a guy, a player that um, I don't think he cares because he's going to make a lot of money in his career and he's been making a lot of money. Um, but James Harden. Let's talk about James Harden first, and then we're going to talk about his former teammate. James Harden, the Sixers, they have now started to – rebuild the Rockets in a certain way. You get Daryl Morey, you get James Harden, you have Joel Embiid, now you add a P.J. Tucker, then you add a Daniel House. You know, you start adding all these pieces, the Philadelphia Sixers now, they're starting to get a nickname, the Philadelphia Rockets. Yeah, Rockets North, I mean, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they're picking them all up. 
And I called up old PJ Tucker, Daniel House. I mean, you, you're really bringing in the elements of, of just, I wouldn't say it was a toxic mix, but one that just never quite got over the hump. It was kind of sad to kind of see those guys never do it. And I, I don't see why it's, it's going to work now. I, I don't, Chris. It's, it's difficult to explain. It's very much a bringing the, get, putting the band back together. I will say I like the P.J. Tucker move. I get it. He's an older guy and whatnot. You talk about the age. And the, but the window on Embiid we've talked about on this show is small. It's not, it's not going to be a 10-year window with Embiid. It's going to be about that five-year, six years. You, know, you take a look at how much more of his prime you can get. And you need an enforcer. You need a guy in there that's going to just get under people's skin. He did it to the Sixers while he was with the Heat. It worked. Now I think he does it for the Sixers. And he also spaces the floor for you and can defend all positions, maybe not the entire game, but at least in a limited fashion. So he lets you mix and match your lineup a lot. And I think that's what Maury likes. He loves to have that analytics kind of fallback situation. And Tucker, for somebody, they're not going to play him 35 minutes a night, but for somebody that will be playing 24 to 27, he can really help you out. Daniel House, what do you think? What is he going to bring to the squad? Well, you know, I mean, as long as you're not locked down in a bubble, he should be able to be well-behaved and be a productive player. But, I mean, any, anybody that gets dismissed from the playoff series, I, I'm always a little bit skeptical about where they are mentally. But that being said, hey, you know, he brings value and he can score off the bench. He can definitely score off the bench, which is something that they did need. They needed that that bench score, somebody that can just go ahead and fill it up. Uh, you talk about that team. There's probably a, still a move in there. James Harden taking a $15 million pay cut. I mean, that's that's huge for him. He's getting to the point where he wants to win a ring. I think it's pretty obvious that you're seeing that. So I think that Philadelphia is going to really like that. Before we run out of time, let's, let's talk about a couple other things and let's touch on a guy that used to play with him. And there's a lot of teams positioning themselves right now. Kevin Durant where is he going he's he's gone silent on social media he's not communicating with anybody everybody says the Phoenix Suns sometimes the, the the strange thing that we're not paying attention to is what ends up happening there's a lot of deals that are happening behind closed doors on on cell phones and everybody going back and forth where does Durant go I mean I think if you're Durant and you want that ring go to the Suns trade eight now and then you form him with Booker and Chris Paul. So you got like Bridges. I mean, you got other good supporting players. Like that's a team that can win immediately. Well, you're going to have to trade all those pieces, though. I, I think you're only going to be able to keep Paul. You're only going to be able to keep Booker because you just gave Booker a, a ton of cash as well. Um, Aiton would be gone. Bridges would be gone. There's a lot of players supporting cast that are going to be gone in that type of deal, but that's for any team. I mean, you're going to have to trade a ton of players, a ton of picks to get Kevin Durant. And it seems like if you're a team that's going to go all in, who are the teams that need to go all in and make this deal? Is Phoenix one of those teams? Yes, because they've never won a title. I mean, this, I mean, this, this is their chance, right? To get over the hump. So you got to swing for the fences. I mean, Durant is a proven I mean, he's the slim reaper. He's a proven assassin. He gets it done. I mean, he's done it for Team USA. He's done it for various teams in the NBA. He's, he's proven. So you got to make that move. Quite amazing that Brooklyn may end up with no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant, and then they have to build a team around Ben Simmons. It's amazing how things could possibly change for the Brooklyn Nets here in the very near future. Don't want to run out of time here on today's show. So Texas Mike wanted to close the show with something very special to you. Go ahead. I'm going to give you the floor, my friend here, to end the sports queue. Yeah, 
loyal listener of the sports queue, great friend of the show, uh, my father-in-law, Guy Edward Parker, great athlete in his day himself. He was all-decade team for the Sugar Bowl for the 1960s and a two-time All-Southwest Conference performer. Passed away. He was a huge fan of his beloved Razorbacks. His story in the 1970 Sugar Bowl about being out in New Orleans is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. And uh, it's, it's one we'll have to just share throughout some other time when we do a Sugar Bowl special because it, it, it deserves that kind of attention. But we want Guy to uh, rest in peace. He was a good man. Well said, my friend, and uh, we will remember him. We'll talk about that Sugar Bowl story. How good is that story? One to ten, how, how amazing is that story? Oh, it's probably about an eight if you like drunken debauchery. So it, it's that kind of story where we might have to have a little explicit element to it. Change our coding here on the Spotify. <laughs> Sounds good for Texas Mike. I am CG. Appreciate you guys listening. Hit that subscribe. Make sure you follow us wherever you are. Tell your friends and family, and we'll see you guys next time here on the Sports Cube.